Everyone dreams about living an uncommon life, but how we define that dream is very different for each of us. And for most, it's a lifelong pursuit. Welcome to the Uncommon Life Project Podcast. We're going to introduce you to people who are living that life or enjoying the journey to get there. We're going to also give you some tools, tricks, and tips for starting or accelerating your own efforts to live an uncommon life, a life worth celebrating and savoring. Please welcome your hosts, Brian Dewhurst and Philip Ramsey. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the Uncommon Life Project, where I'm your host, Philip Ramsey. And I am Brian Dewhurst. Thanks again for tuning in. We got a really fun episode for you, as we always do. Thanks for the amazing feedback that we're getting. And also, thank you for rating it like we've always asked you. Do we have a fun review to read today? We do. We do. We absolutely do. And we're still going to 100. So if we're not at 100, you haven't rated it. By Christmas. Yet. We got to get it done. It's got to get done. We got to get it done. So I think before we even do this, because we have a fun review to read, um, to try to inspire you to try to beat this, because we have some really good reviews, um, I wanted to just walk through what we do and how we do it. That's been some feedback that we've gotten from some listeners of mm. like, you got to start kind of talking through what you do and how we do it. And my newest thing is like, I feel like we're life-giving financial advisors, which means we take people from where they're at and try to get to the heart of what is, what makes them tick, mm. what gets them passionate or enthusiastic. And then we just double down because our biggest thing is you're your best asset. How we get there is obviously with money, mm -hmm. but we don't really care about your money the first time we meet with you. We really want to know what gets you excited and what moves you forward. That's what Brian and I do. We do your traditional stuff, mm -hmm. but we do it in an untraditional way, uh, hence the Uncommonwealth Partners. So let's go back to the review, unless you want to add anything. No, I thought that was a great synopsis of what we do. Meet people where they're at. Elevator speech 101, which I don't like and I don't at all. Anyway, okay, here's the review. Um, it actually is amazing. It says, I absolutely love this podcast. I can't get enough of Philip. And the title of that is, wow. And it's from my wife. So there it is. There's our <laughs> review. Being that I know Aaron, I'm not upset about that one. <laughs> so, all right, well, let's introduce our guest. It is Matt and Haley Phillips with the Fletcher Foundation. And what I think is so powerful about this story is one, their passion and enthusiasm for this cause, and then the drive that Matt had to bring this thing off the ground from ground zero, having no experience mm -hmm. in the past. Um, but Matt and Haley, if you know them, they are rock stars through and through. Um, and the foundation is something that was passionate to them um, through some unfortunate events. And how do they impact others through it? So welcome to the show, Matt and Haley. Thank you very much for having us. Absolutely. And Haley, you're here too. Yes, I am. I, we're so excited. So duo, cat. what would you, quadruple? This is a uh, quadcast. A quadcast, everyone. I knew Brian would have the word. Uh, <laughs> and we really do value the ones that we get to have the husband and wife because this is a joint effort and both have to sacrifice to get this thing up and going. Um, so let's just give us a baseline of what the Fletcher Foundation is. So two years ago yesterday, today is October 21st, wow. uh, we delivered our son Fletcher's stillbirth at 20 weeks. Uh, he was born without a heartbeat. Uh, it's by far something you can't prepare for is the hardest thing we ever went through. Uh, fast forward to a couple months, we started to get our hospital bills in the mail. Got a bill for $5,500, and we were fortunate enough to be able to have money to pay the bill. But it really dawned on me that it's such a bummer that you got to pay a hospital bill for a baby that you could never take home. Mm. You always hear people in the workplace complaining about 
the cost of having a baby and how it's so expensive. They don't want to have babies because oh, it's yeah. so expensive. And I thought that we could do something more with it. And that's where the idea of the Fletcher Foundation kicked off. I wanted to start a nonprofit where we would pay families' bills after they lose their baby to miscarriage or stillbirth. Yeah. And a lot of people, I think, have a misconception that they don't get billed for that, which is so wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a false assumption. And the, the cool thing I think about you two, um, many things, but you did have Hudson before this. Like you have a son um, and that, let's talk through the bill of that because I think that's really interesting. Yeah. So when we had um, our first child, very easy pregnancy, perfect. We just did not expect um, to have any bumps in the road with our second pregnancy. So um, fast forward to that delivery, you know, Fletcher, our son that we didn't get to bring home, cost almost twice as much as our living son, um, which was a little crazy to me because Fletcher was a natural delivery. There was a lot of things medically that we didn't need with Fletcher because he was already passed away. So to have a higher bill for this child that we didn't bring home versus, you know, same hospital, almost just a year earlier um, was really shocking to us. Absolutely. That's like the extra kick, like the salt in the wound, Uh, because obviously you're coping with loss and then you get this bill. And so, so I think Matt, let's talk about the book that we read because Matt and I, we go to the same church. So I think that needs to be kind of on the forefront. And we were going through a book and through that book, do you remember that book, what it was called? Yeah. John Maxwell. I forget the title. It was uh, Intentional, Intentional Living. Yep. Yep. And through that, Matt was like, the whole premise of the book is like, do something that you're passionate about. Don't just sit on the sidelines, but actually do something. And that was when Matt was like, I want to do something for Fletcher. And I want to help families that have gone through the same experience that we have and help them financially for that bill that comes in the mail, that there's just nothing you can do about it. And we want to be there to help. And so that's exactly what you did. So one, kudos for doing something because it is impacting mm-hmm. others. And, and it's a cool opportunity for a nonprofit to be able to contribute to something uh, for other people who have gone through that. Um, and they would know how impactful that is. So kudos for one, doing that. And then also kudos, I think this is a great, and this is the uncommon twist that I think you did this from ground zero. You had nobody helping you. You're just like the guy who just replaces brakes because that's just what you do uh, and figures it out. And so you really did that from ground zero. You took this and you ran with it. So Walk us through, like when you were reading that book, kind of your thought process through this of, hey, I want to do this. Yeah, that book definitely gave me a lot of inspiration, uh, really made me think about uh, what was going on, my experience, how that made me feel, kind of got the wheels turning on what I want to do with his life, because we knew we wanted to do something, what Mm -hmm. I had no idea. Uh, We're sitting at the, the dinner table, had the idea, let's start a nonprofit had no idea what went into that. I thought it would just be starting a Facebook page, raising some money, paying some bills, as simple as that. Uh, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> newsflash, it's not uh, that simple. Uh, so had to figure out what we had to do. We live in Iowa, uh, figured out how we had to register with the Secretary of State as a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had no idea what we were doing, so we used a third-party online software that kind of helped us set that up, paid them a small fee. We thought we were done. Didn't realize that we still weren't federally tax exempt and any money we raised, we had to pay taxes on. 
So we had to find out how to get that done, uh, which was a little bit more work uh, just through some Googling, some YouTube videos. There's there's guides out there for anything. I tell people that kind of like changing your brake pads Mm. and figured out how to get federally tax exempt. Uh, Then we needed to realize how are we going to build this from zero to uh, however big we want to get it. Thought it would be easy is definitely a cause Haley and I believed and I thought money would be pouring in. It wasn't. Uh, didn't know you needed to have a board of directors. I thought it would just be something Haley and I could run uh, part-time here or there. It wasn't. Uh, had somebody, such a blessing, create our website for us, uh, but I didn't know how to do a website. I didn't realize that there would be ongoing things that we'd continue to mm-hmm. have to do. So I had to learn how to do some basic website stuff. And what's your website? TheFletcherFoundation.net. Okay. So there was definitely a lot of small things that I never imagined I'd have to learn, but somebody has to do it. And we're small. We don't have a ton of money pouring in, so we can't pay all these third parties Mm -hmm. to do everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the biggest part. Let's go back. So at what point, like, let's go through that whole emotional thing between you two. And like, one, maybe you can speak to other families that are going through this, but how did you heal? How was your marriage in that time? I feel like I'm kiboing this conversation. Sorry, Brian. Brian has so a whole good. bunch of questions. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with that. Um, so I think the first thing um, that we have gotten asked is, um, what did you, or how did your workplaces respond? So I think that was really pivotal in Perfect. part of our healing. So um, because I had delivered Fletcher, uh, my workplace was so gracious to grant me six weeks of maternity leave, which was a sweet, sweet wow. blessing. Um, and it just happened to hit over. I was working in retail in the time and it ho- hit over Thanksgiving, Black Friday <laughs> and Christmas, um, which honestly can be very stressful just in and of itself sure. um, in, and that, not, in I, that job. <laughs> absolutely. And not just like, uh, what is it called? facing aisles like you weren't just cashiering at yeah. a store you were a manager yeah so i i ran a retail store so it it's it's a lot of work and yeah. so um i had had you know i was already on bed rest before that so i had been out of it for quite a while so to jump back in in the fourth quarter is kind of makes your head turn oh, sure. while you're grieving while you're taking care of a one-year-old um kind of just like pulling like battling through life Mm-hmm. So I did get six weeks off, which was fantastic. Um, my workplace, they brought us meals. They came and sat with my kid and played with my kid. They reached out all the time. Oh. They sent flowers. So I think that was really critical to have that time. I don't think a lot of people get that after a miscarriage or stillbirth. Um, it is just like you would have to work through having a newborn. Mm-hmm. Now you have to work through not having a newborn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going through a delivery, still very physical. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's part of that healing that I just physically needed. And then also, likewise, Matt, his work, they did give paternity leave. So we were able to spend some of those six weeks together, which was nice to be able to disconnect from our jobs and just focus on us Mm -hmm. and our one-year-old. What does life look after this? Um, For us, it was a fast forward. I ended up leaving my job to stay home Um, And I think it was kind of part of that time where I said, are we ready for this? No, we're going to do it anyways and figure it out. Mm. So I think it just helped create that perspective of like, life is short. What do we do with this? What matters? Mm. Where are we investing? And so I think that pushed us to just make um, love each other well. And we got great advice that just said, be kind to yourself and be Mm -hmm. kind to each other. And I think we 
did that really well during that time, which set us up to grieve together, but differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and just make smart decisions for our family. For sure. Let's talk about the differences in grieving. I'd like to hear from Matt's perspective on this. Uh, growing up, my family never really talked about emotions. So I'm not a griever. I don't talk about emotions. That just is how I deal with it. I've mm-hmm. uh, been married uh, four years now. That's something Haley has been working on with me uh, to try to get me to open up more and talk through things more. But I'm definitely not the emotional or the griever, especially right away. It takes me a long time to process things. Uh, I remember right after it happened, remember exactly where I was. We were upstairs. I was calling my benefits line to see when I could go back to work or see when I had to go back to work. They said, oh, you get this week off. I got off the phone like, Haley, you know, I think it'd just be easier for me if I went back to work tomorrow. Mm. Because to me, yes, it was a loss. Yes, it heartbroke me. I didn't think that, I didn't think it through how important it would be for my wife, Haley, to be there with her, supporting mm-hmm. her through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I grieved much that week, but I feel like it was definitely important to be there for her, to support her. It's definitely different on a man than it is a woman, uh, especially with a miscarriage or stillbirth. And I think it's really important to support your partner, even if you're not ready to grieve through that. Mm-hmm. Good point. All right, Brian, I know you got a lot of questions, so I'll, st- I'll shut up. Yeah, well, no, I mean, I'm so excited to have you guys on the show. I've obviously heard about your story for a while. And, uh, you know, as you grow up, I think you transition from like high school, college to being an adult. This happens uh, more than people, I think, I guess more than I thought. And the more, uh, you know, as I get older and the more families we run into that this happens, I I never thought about the financial impact of like, oh, you still got to pay for that. And so I just uh, am cheering for you guys and uh, want this to be a, you know, catapult for the foundation. And I just thank you for for telling your story. What um, there's a lot of different, you know, we talk about businesses and starting a business. There's a lots of different ways to, you know, set up your corporation. What led you to kind of like the 501c3 route versus, you know, like a private foundation, if you could talk about that. Which 501c3 is a nonprofit. Nonprofit, yep, right. For, yep. So again, having no idea what I was doing, that is the only thing I knew of. And that is what made sense. Uh, from what I knew of nonprofits, I didn't want it to be revenue generating, uh, paying people at the top, having people work below. Uh, I didn't want that model. I wanted people to know that the money that's coming in, uh, especially at this point, while we're small, all that money's going back out towards the little expenses we have. And then those families, sure. Uh, we never had any interest. It was never a conversation that we wanted to be for profit, try to make money off the topic. It was just never about that. Yeah. How many families have you impacted today? Uh, we've had, I want to say six applicants, a couple of them after we asked for a little bit more information. Uh, said they didn't have a bill, uh, didn't have a revised bill after insurance, but we've gotten four checks out for families mm-hmm. that have gone through miscarriage or stillbirths. Some of them multiple miscarriages or multiple wow. stillbirths. Four. That's amazing. What's been kind of the biggest challenge so far? I mean, I get we heard kind of just setting everything up, but you're set up now. What's what's kind of the biggest challenge? The biggest challenge is identifying how big we want it to grow and coming up with a plan to get there. Mm. I mean, there's huge nonprofits out there. You think of the Red Cross, United Way. I don't think the Fletcher Foundation will ever be that big. Uh, Those are just huge nonprofits. But how do we scale it to be bigger so we can impact more families, have more outreach? 
that's hard figuring that out if you've never done it before. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, with a for-profit business, how do you get more sales? How do you get more leads? Uh, it's a very straightforward thing. Uh, for nonprofit, it's it's a little bit different. We need to think about kind of two prong. How do we get more money in, and then how can we get that money out to better serve people? Sure. Because mm -hmm. it's kind of the chicken or the egg, a little bit. Like, do you bring in right. money, or do you find families in need? Right, and then use that as a tool to get, get more, more money. money. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, what's your process, or what's your thought, or strategy to get more families to know about Fletcher Foundation for when they go into for when they, when they're maybe in this crisis. Right. So I think having gone through this, we realized there's not a lot of support in the space. So when we delivered our son, um, we kind of got a bereavement packet. And to be honest, I don't remember anything that was in that bereavement packet. Sure, yeah. It was only months later that I'm like, you're foggy. Oh, we got looking this. through this, like, oh yeah, we, we did have resources and we didn't know it, or we got a list of two resources. Like, Right. Um, mm -hmm. So I think we just kind of found there is a lack of knowledge around it. Part of it is just the stigma of it's it feels good to give money to something you can see. Mm -hmm. um, so people like, you know, oh, I can get behind um, kids for cancer. I can see them, you know, I, yeah. I can kind or of see adoption, it or St. Jude or, you yeah. know, I can see them like, oh, they're actually going to get their child through adoption, whatever that looks like. This is something you don't see like it's a it's private we keep that really private with our clients like not everybody is ready to share their story mm -hmm. what they've been through and so that that's hard for us so how do we get to those people because it's not something people talk yeah. about even in our society now like it's not people well just with social media it's not like you want to hey look at me <laughs> right and it's not until you kind of share your story that right. people are like, oh, I also had a miscarriage. And I'm like, what? I've known you for years. Right. So I think that's kind of something like unless you're talking about it, yeah. people aren't like coming out of the woodwork. Um, also, people kind of grieving don't know what they need. So right. they're not like out looking for resources because they don't even know really what to look for. Mm -hmm. So I think some of the things we've done locally is some of the best resources we got, whether it's a list of support groups or um kind of services to honor babies that you've lost was connecting through our funeral home. Mm -hmm. So we've actually found that funeral homes provide a lot of resources around financial support, emotional support. So we've connected with local funeral homes because once they're in the hospital, they're meeting with a funeral home, whatever that looks like for a cremation or a burial. And they're also giving them information. And that person That's is able smart. to sit down a little bit separate from the event itself in the hospital spot, yeah. and they're like talking sure. talking them through things mm -hmm. so we've been able to connect with a few funeral homes as well as we are in bereavement packets in local hospitals and then we'll be in a couple of um, metro counseling centers so people that are kind of they're trying to get them in all ways so sure. at the event at the birth out wherever they're medically taken care of at the funeral home, if that's a step that they have to take. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, fast forward counseling. Um, sure. I would think those would be probably three yeah. places that they're already going mm -hmm. that we can be, if we get them at all three, that would be our ideal. Mm -hmm. um, that would be our ideal way to reach sure. our clients. And does the Fletcher Foundation also help with like funeral costs or is it just hospital bills? Uh, just hospital bills. So sure. there are... A uh, ton of different nonprofits out there. 
handful of them have to do with miscarriage and stillbirth. I know there are some out there that will deal specifically with the funeral costs, mm. but we wanted to do one thing and do it well. So we wanted to do hospital bills from uh, delivery from the miscarriage. Sure. So let's walk through the process. Like, let's say there's a family out there that's in need and then got this hospital bill. What's the process for them to apply with the Fletcher Foundation? So they go to our website, they click on a tab, okay. fill out some very basic information. It goes to myself and Haley. We review it, see if there's any additional questions we have, any additional information we need. At that point, once we get all the information, we review it as a board, uh, review how much money we have how big of a dent we can put in that bill, mm -hmm. send a check out, let them know the check's on the way. All of the billing, all the checks that go out, we do send right to the hospital mm. uh, billing centers or billing sure. agencies so they don't have to deal with that at all. Mm -hmm. Sure, It's a very straightforward process. We don't ask for a blood sample or hair sample, anything crazy. Sure. Uh, we just want to help pay these people's bills. Yeah, have a process in place to do that. For sure. That's awesome. That's really cool. I mean, th to make it as painless as possible, I yeah. think is definitely wise on that. How have you been going about now raising the money? And I, you know, it's interesting in our business, we ask for money a lot, I guess. We don't really look at it that way. But at the end of the day, I think that is a big part of what we do. And so it's awkward to talk about money. Uh, and so I want to give you the platform to kind of ask for money and not you know, I think it's weird, and I, I, I don't think you feel that way, but I want you to feel like there are people listening, and I do believe, you know, things happen for a reason. And so how can people invest or, uh, you know, donate? Yeah, so to kind of answer the first half of the question, fundraising is hard to do. It's very hard to get someone's money uh, towards a cause when you're not physically able to give them something. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're in sales and let's say you sell lawnmowers, it's really easy to say. It's really easy exchange. Give me $250, here's a lawnmower. $250, here's a lawnmower. People are just giving us money and trusting that we're going to uh, care for that money the way they entrust us with it. Uh, so starting out, uh, we started just soliciting fundraising through Facebook, set up a Facebook page. If you post a month, we'd say, hey, go to our website, set up a one-time or recurring donation. Your funds will be used towards the families that have gone through the miscarriage or stillbirth. Mm -hmm. I've realized now that we've been doing this for a year, year and a half, that friends and families are only going to go so far. So now we're starting to look at grants, corporate sponsorship, those mm -hmm. kind of things, because those are the places that are going to have a lot more money that they can help you with. Mm -hmm. Sure. And like some something kind of cool, I think casinos are someplace where people don't ever think and they have to give a lot of money out. And so to get some application in there, I think that's just, sometimes it's nice if you are in charge of a nonprofit and you're kind of in the same boat, where do you even go? Like casinos is not a bad place to, <laughs> to go because they're handing out money. They have to. Yeah. It seems like every big company has a private foundation, uh, tons of families that either inherited a lot of money or just have a lot of money through whatever means. Uh, they may have a private foundation. They're out there. Uh, that kind of leads to another skill that I need to learn, haven't yet, is grant writing. Mm -hmm. So there's people out there that will charge $50, $100 an hour to write a grant for you, and it might take them 20 hours. We don't have that kind of money. <laughs> so how are we going to apply for these grants? How are we going to find these grants when myself or no one on our team has done it? Mm -hmm. uh, but as far as donating goes, you just go to our website, thefletcherfoundation.net. There's a big button that says make a donation. But 
on the topic of fundraising, it's it's hard. It's yeah. it's a hard concept to give me your money, but I'm not giving you anything right away. Yeah, sure. I also think something that has helped us a lot, not in the sense of big dollars, but people like to physically do things. So we do bring our clients through their first year of loss, their first Mother Day, Mother's Day, Christmas, um, their baby's due date and birthday. And so kind of coming wow. alongside us to say, you know, we send books or poems or sure. mementos, things, you know, shipping. When people say, hey, I want to cover the shipping to send people the, you know, their welcome, kind of they get a welcome box from us um, with a book and a letter and a memento mm. for their baby. Like when That's somebody really says cool. like, hey, I'm going to pay for the shipping of those boxes this year, that is, that's giving Huge. us money. Yeah. Like when somebody says, I'm going to buy all of the books for, you know, the next three clients, like that's giving us money. Those are costs that we have that, not costs that we have, but that's a resource that we oh, give out. Sure. So it is a cost to the yeah. foundation. Yeah. So I think even in terms of people think I don't have hundreds to give, um, there are things to do and commitments to be made that are still help us to be profitable. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. That's a good point. And if you do give, you get a deduction because you are a true nonprofit. Yes. Yep. And that's well, big um, for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, instead of just doing a Facebook post and then just sending me money, like you're not getting a deduction on that one. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Like, you, no deductions. So you donate, you get a receipt, bring it to your tax person at the end of the year. They'll make sure you get your get your deduction for it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What would be, you know, what's coming, I think this is uh, going to air close to the end of the year. Um, it's October. What what would be, you know, meaningful to like, if this happened by year end, it would be like overwhelming or overwhelming in a good way. You know, what's that kind of like? $17 goal? million. Dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was going to say $16 million, so <laughs> You're close. Uh, I think, you know, Philip said it's the chicken or the egg. Definitely two prong. We need more people to apply uh, that have gone through miscarriage or stillbirth, and then we need the funds to help them. You know, if we had a, a big grant or significant donor base, and we were getting, you know, ten thousand dollar donations, five thousand dollar donations, or let's say even five thousand dollars a month, and we raised fifty thousand dollars over the course of a year, we'd be able to help out, pay more of these people's bills, mm -hmm. and then we'd also be able to reinvest that towards marketing so we can find people to help them sure very cool would you say you would you would value reoccurring payments or one-time donations more reoccurring definitely ah. uh, it's good to be able to count on that money absolutely uh, so That's if someone's going to donate let's say a hundred dollars one time i feel like the better gift would be you know cut that in half smaller one time hit to you uh, but if you could afford $50 a month and we can count on that $50 for however long you want to commit to or Priceless. indefinitely, yeah. we know how much money we have a month. We can better manage our expenses, better plan for it. So definitely mm -hmm. reoccurring. So what's the biggest takeaway as you started through this whole nonprofit starting from scratch to where it is currently? What do you think the biggest takeaway is for somebody out there, a listener that might be in the same boat as you, like, this sounds really neat. And I will say that I've, uh, I've challenged Matt to write kind of an ebook on how to start a nonprofit from ground zero with no help, except YouTube and your closest friends. <laughs> <laughs>
So I've challenged him that, and hopefully that'll get done, and we'll put that on our website. And if it happens, then we'll make sure that we do that. Um, we put that on our eBooks because um, I think that's really valuable. And the work that you've done is not only inspiring for me, but I know a lot more people. So yeah. what's the biggest takeaway? Back to my question that you've had going through this process. I would say the biggest takeaway is you need to know why you're doing it. You need to have passion for it. You know, I work full time right now. I'm going to school full time. At the end of the day, the last thing I want to do is uh, anything after I put my kids to bed. I want to sit down, eat some dinner and and go to sleep because I'm exhausted after the day. So you need to have that passion. You need to know why you're doing it. You need mm -hmm. to know that I'm tired, I'm exhausted, but there are people out there that went through exactly what we went through and they mm -hmm. can't afford their bill. They're behind on their bill. Mm -hmm. And I need to make sure that the nonprofit is in a position to help them. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have passion for what you're doing, uh, you don't know why you want to do it. You don't know. You need to know that there are going to be long days, especially if you're not going to be able to go full time in it right away. You're not going to have the money to do that, that you're mm -hmm. going to have that fire in you to uh, sustain the hard work because it's, it's a lot of hard work. Mm -hmm. What's both of your roles in the day-to-day -day of the Fletcher Foundation? So I handle all the communication with clients. So like Matt said, when, they, when we get kind of the auto email from their application, I will be the person from then on that contacts them. Um, pretty much about anything other than if we have a lot of questions about their bill, kind of direct that to Matt. We like to kind of keep that separate. Um, just insurance is tricky. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people um, have a hard time getting um, the bill that they need from insurance, what we need to send to them. So mm -hmm. um, Matt will usually handle the bill if it's a situation where we have to ask a lot of questions about their insurance. Um, other than that, I handle all of the communication with the clients and then also kind of coordinate between people donating um, our resources um, on the emotional side of the like the emotional track that we take that client on in the first 12 months. So um, whatever that calendar is, I just will be in charge of getting all of those resources together to send in a timely manner for our clients. And then I also reach out to um, Metro locations about meeting with them, getting our information um, in a bereavement packet or a counseling center. So mm -hmm. I'm always reaching out to just spread locally what we're doing because um, I think that's where we have the most traction to gain right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I oversee a lot of things. I wear many hats. So I do all the technical stuff. So I do all the website, uh, uploading blogs, uh, make sure our search engine optimization is good. Uh, I lead the fundraising. I oversee the Facebook. We do have somebody that does our uh, Facebook post for us. She's a huge blessing, but I oversee that. Uh, just make sure we have a certain amount of posts per week or whatever that looks like. Uh, I help run the board meetings. We have board meetings once a quarter, so I make sure we're on track to have those. I do our taxes. Uh, pretty much everything. Any, everything else. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Centerfield. Yeah. <laughs> and just for full disclosure, so Philip is on the board of I the am. Fletcher Foundation. Yep. So if you heard him say our, that's why. Yep. And uh, I've also written a blog from uh, like my wife and I have been fortunate enough not to actually deal with this, but a lot of our friends have. And man, the community around you at that point when something doesn't go according to plan is huge. So I want you guys to be able to speak to the community that was with you shoulder to shoulder in that and currently and how instrumental that is for you guys. Yeah, I think it was a very different perspective from 
my side versus Matt's <laughs> side, and I'll let him share that. But I think um, I am fortunate to have a family who they knew throughout the, my whole pregnancy was really rough. Um, and when I started um, having or went into labor with Fletcher, they just drove down. My family's really good about like, we're just going to be there. Yeah. It might be days, it might be whatever. We're just going to be there. So thankfully they were there um, when Fletcher was born. So they got to hold him. That was really wow. a pivotal mm. moment, I think, for my parents. Sure. And um, something I will treasure for a long, I mean, for the rest of my life. Um, and so I did have my parents support. But, you know, the next day, um, one of my closest friends from Kansas City has just said, Hey, I'm I'm coming to be with you for a couple of days. Wow. So I think it was I didn't have to ask um for people to help me. I think it's very natural and uh like a female perspective, like they're just gonna be there. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. you know, my small group from church came over, they sat on my carpet, you know, we had coffee, we had wow. cake, we just hung out and talked to, for hours. I think that's just something that was not is natural to women and may not have been may, maybe isn't for men. So mm -hmm. Matt will talk about that a little bit, but I think even ongoing, those friends are still checking in. Um, and I think that's important um, because mm -hmm. grief is a process, something Absolutely. that you'll live right. with, you know, kind of for the rest of your life. And there's different triggers at every different season of life. So I think that to have those friends that continue to follow up is pivotal Beautiful. um to feel like i matter what i went through mattered mm -hmm. my struggle isn't in vain mm -hmm. um or alone sure. so yeah it was great to see all of Haley's people uh show up and be there for her i had a very different experience after this i don't know if it's just the way that guys deal with tough things or what it was but i would say that the period after we lost fletcher was by far the loneliest wow. uh, i've ever been in my entire life uh, felt like I was alone, felt like nobody cared. And I knew I knew they cared. So it's not a lack of them caring. It's just the way that they showed it throughout that time. Mm -hmm. uh, nothing to do with Haley. We were uh, each other's best support. We were there for each other. At least I, I would say so. Uh, it was very lonely. I think guys just don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. So they just don't say anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a, a friend. Uh, every time I see him, he always asks me, how's Fletcher? How are you doing with Fletcher? And I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate him checking up on me. And it makes it feel like his life is valid, that it was important. It mm -hmm. wasn't just a, mm -hmm. a, a bad month or a bad experience you guys had that he is just our son. Away. Yeah. yeah, He is our son. We don't have him, um, but he is still our, our, our baby boy that we just didn't get to bring home. Mm-hmm. Mm. And for the record, Matt and I didn't know each other when they were going through this. So I just want to make sure I'm not getting myself out of it. Kind of. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I do want to just voice both of you like it is not in vain whether or not the Fletcher Foundation was up or not. But I still think that the Fletcher Foundation is another instrumental point of that, that it was not in vain. And the family that you're helping through this is instrumental. And so what you're doing is is. Man, it's great because a lot of times people have a great idea, but they never act on it. So what does the future hold for the Fletcher Foundation? What do you want it to look like? In, let's say, five years out. Uh, well, let's just say, you know, by Christmas, because you're getting 16 million. That's what I heard. <laughs> I'd settle for 15 million. <laughs> okay, it's going down. The longer this goes, the less, the less mill. <laughs> yes. You know, hopefully by Christmas, we have a couple more applicants. We do have money to help people throughout the rest of the year. 
Uh, you know, our average amount that we are giving families is right around $1,000. Just based on our financial picture, that's mm -hmm. what we can afford to give to make sure we have money back in case we do get more applicants. So we definitely want to help those families out. Hopefully our fundraising picks up a little bit, uh, some more recurring donations, or we can start finding some companies to give us a yearly gift or at least a significant one-time gift so we can start, you know, reaching more people and mm -hmm. uh, kind of just investing back in ourselves to pay more bills or uh, reach out to people that have gone through the tragedy. Yep. We want to be marketing. Yep, yep. exactly. We want to be in more hospitals. So when somebody does go through that loss, they have that Fletcher Foundation card that they're just going to scan over right away because they're not in the right mind to read everything. But they know four months down the road when that hospital bill shows up, hey, I remember reading about the Fletcher Foundation. Let me check them out. Maybe they can help out with this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We want to be on more resources pages. So there's many different websites. You type in miscarriage resources, that'll come up. We want to be listed on as many of those as possible. So if they go to their site, they know that we're a resource that they can reach out to. Mm -hmm. And honestly, just making sure it's a big, bigger name. So, I mean, it's obviously something that some people have to plan for, unfortunately, and some people have no idea. And so just to make sure that people know the Fletcher Foundation, what it stands for, what it's there for. And so if one of their friends does go through that, they can have in the back of their mind, I know it's probably not the time right mm -hmm. now, but at some point, I think I'm going to tell, you know, so-and-so about the Fletcher Foundation and have them help. Right, right. Twenty five. I mean, twenty five percent of people go through miscarriage or stillbirth. I mean, everyone knows somebody that has gone through it. You probably just don't know that they did. Mm -hmm. So it's a good thing to know about. It's important to um, check on the people that have gone through it, whether it was last week or a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Ask them how they're doing with their baby they lost. They do want to be asked that question. Mm. Definitely gauge from there how far they want to talk about it. Uh, but people do want to know that that life did matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this today is a pretty significant day for you two. It's two years. Yeah, two years ago, so how yesterday, are you, my question 20th. is, how are you doing? Real talk. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we're doing, we're doing well. Uh, I feel like the more time that goes on, the more we miss him. Mm. You know, definitely seeing Hudson, our, our three-year-old, grow up. You know, Fletcher would be one year behind him. Uh, so when I'm out mowing the lawn with Hudson, hmm. sometimes I, I break down and think, wow, I wish he was out here with me too, or when we're playing. Uh, mm -hmm. Those are the times that you definitely miss him the most. You miss those memories or the memories that should have happened and you'll mm -hmm. just never have. But I feel like we're doing good. You know, we're, we, we rest in our faith. We're, we're Christians. So we believe that one day we'll be with him again and we can hold him and be with him. Mm-hmm. But I would say we're not day-to-day -day crying, grieving in that way. It's just more missing the memories that you're never going to have. Sure. Haley, you know you have to answer that, you, right? <laughs> you yeah, that. I think grief looks different in different seasons of life. Um, this, so this past weekend, we had a crazy weekend. Um, just a lot, a lot of things planned. And now we have an almost one-year-old and a three-year-old. And so I don't have a lot of time to myself. Mm. And so I just took time earlier last week because I didn't want to feel rushed in my grief. So I, at this point, I've learned what I need. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think I just plan for plan for that. Mm -hmm. um, you can't always, but I knew just with his birthday, I would feel that anyways. So just being able to take that time and then you know, our families, our parents joined us yesterday and we did a balloon release and had cupcakes. Mm. And that is something that 
we just love to do. Mm -hmm. Um, It's good. And I think, you know, I was saying to someone yesterday, they're like, oh, how, you know, how's today for you? Like, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. And we are doing well, but I think it's because we don't, it's a very fluid conversation with us. Um, We talk about it with our son all the time. Mm. In fact, if we say, oh, you know, so-and-so, oh, they went to be with Jesus. And our son automatically knows like, oh, they're with, they're with Fletcher and Jesus in heaven. Um, So it's just something that we've been very transparent about with our son. Sure. um, That you have a brother. And that's helped, I think, our grieving too. This is just a very fluid conversation. Mm. That way, when we do have these anniversaries, we don't feel like, this is our one day to grieve. This yeah, is our one. Right, there's yeah. a lot of pressure to feel really sad or there's a lot of pressure yeah. to make everybody be there. It's just, this is his birthday and we're going to celebrate it because mm. we're so thankful for mm. just the gift that life is. Mm-hmm. Um, and to even have Fletcher for the 20 weeks we did, you know, I'm not the author of life, but I'm thankful for it mm-hmm. um, and whatever, whatever's planned for us. But um, I think something that we've just done is make his life very fluid in our sure. life, which yeah. has helped us to grieve in a really healthy yeah, way. I think that's a really good uh, strategy and point for other families who might have a uh, someone like a child who's living. How do you communicate that? How do you yeah. communicate? And I think that's a really good strategy. How has it been real talk? Like this is an emotional topic. And then to throw basically kind of like a business on top of it, is got to be challenging. And then to do it together has got to be like triple challenging. Correct. <laughs> it is. Um, I think it's good. I'm not on the board and I'm not allowed to be. Um, so I would say it, I'm really glad that I'm not. Why? Um, you, you know, you got to answer why. Uh, I think it's best for me to stay on the emotional side of it and not yeah, on the financial side that's of it. True, right. um, I think, you know, we never went in this to say like, oh, we're going to make gobs of money. But there's fundraising to be done and there's bills to be paid and there's things to do. Uh And I want all of those things. Um, And but it's just good for me not to be involved in that because I never want to feel like, oh, my loss is a gain. Like that doesn't feel great. Um, That's not that's not our goal. But I know from being Fletcher's mom, I can't separate that. So it's good that I deal with the families and on the emotional Mm, side of it. Um, I know how I'm wired have a hard time separating those two. Yeah. So I think that's good because um, like working with spouses is hard no matter what. And then added like a loss of a child and then added emotion on top. Yeah. Of yeah all these things. Financial. So we get better every day. We get better every day, but it's good that I, I have a lane to stay in and that's good for me. Yeah. That's good. That's good. And the reason she can't be on the board is there's conflict of interest uh, policies. So she can't be on the board because of that. Mm-hmm. So I'm on the board. She can't be on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's definitely good to have separation of what we do. I would never be able to work with you directly. Like in my full-time job, if you were in the cubicle next to me, I would not want to deal with you when I got home. <laughs> I can only do about eight hours a day uh, of you. Just teasing. I know. Uh, but similar to the Fletcher Foundation, uh, Haley has something she does during the day. I have something I do during the day. And then at night when we're working on it, it's nice to be able to separate what we're working on so we don't drive each other uh, nuts. Crazy. Yeah. 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 Cool. Man, I, I feel like this is jam-packed. <laughs> I can't wait for this ebook that you're going to write for everybody, how to uh, create a nonprofit yeah. without any experience, just passion and why. So uh, thank you for being on the show. How do our listeners, I just want to be very clear, one, how to donate, how to get contact with you, 
and like give them your contact information. Sure. So the FletcherFoundation.net, right at the top, you'll see a button that says donate now. Click that button. Please consider setting up a reoccurring or at least a one-time donation. Every little bit helps. All yeah. that money is going towards the families that have gone through miscarriage or stillbirth. We want to help more families. As far as reaching out to us, our emails are matt at the FletcherFoundation.net and Haley at the FletcherFoundation.net. Mm-hmm. Remember that, that the H A L E Y L E Y. So and then Fletcher is F L E T C H E R. Correct. Perfect. Remember the Fletcher Foundation. Too, yeah, that part in there. Yeah, I just want to encourage you guys uh, keep going. I know this isn't you know roses and sunshine every day, and running a business with Philip, we have our moments too, and it's just. I'm glad you have each other and just keep going. And uh, we can't wait to see what God has in store for you guys over the next year and two years and, and five years. And so and I also like to encourage our listeners too, if uh, you know, this tugs on a heartstring of yours, you know, please donate. Or if you know a family member that has gone through this, um, you know, I think it's hard for probably almost any family not to know a family member uh, mm-hmm. or, or somebody um, that you would just reach out and share these resources with them. And so, uh, yeah, thank you so much today, guys. This is incredible. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. Yes, thank you guys so much for having yeah. us. You've been listening to the Uncommon Life Project. I've been your host, Philip Ramsey. And I'm Brian Dewhurst. We're signing off for now, but until the next, go be uncommon. Thanks. That's all for this episode of the Uncommon Life Project, brought to you by Uncommon Wealth Partners. Be sure to visit UncommonWealth.com to learn more about our services. Don't miss an episode as we introduce you to inspiring people who are actively pursuing an uncommon life.